I'll show you politics in America. Here it is, right here. I think the puppet on the right shares my beliefs. I think the puppet on the left is more to my liking. Hey, wait a minute. There's one guy holding up both puppets. Shut up. Go back to bed, America. Your government is in control. Read my lips. Just send your cash. There has never been so many lies, so much deception. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't anyone notice this? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. (laughs) Please clap. It's time for the Mike Madison Show, a new breed of conservative talk. Now, here's your host, Mike Madison. Showtime! All right, good morning. Welcome to the Mike Madison Show here at 1039 WYAB. I am your host, Mike Madison. Two hours a week, Wednesdays and Thursdays from 9 to 10 o'clock, I offer up a safe space for the independent thinkers out there. It's kind of interesting. Uh, Political labels have become almost meaningless at this point. Uh, I would have thought when I left the Republican Party in the early 2000s, and and it it really took on the mantle of it was the anti-establishment. Now, this was very popular on the left for a long time, being anti-establishment. They are now firmly establishment. People who were liberals who protested wars and talked out against the mega corporations like the pharmaceutical companies, suddenly, well, you know, everything is flip-flopped. But I even find it interesting now, I am almost the anti-establishment to the anti-establishment establishment. Does that make sense? The anti-establishment in this country has now become its new establishment. I'm finding out as I say this, as I do this, establishment is it's one of those words when you say it a whole bunch of times, it doesn't sound right. When, when the right is anti-establishment, then they have actually created a new establishment. I am the anti-establishment to the anti-establishment establishment. Because from what I can see, and as we're in a campaign season now, I'm somebody who just, I just want to be left alone. Many people say that, but it's not really true. When I look at campaign and I look at the rhetoric around uh, what is our endless campaigning, I see that most people, right and left, actually, they just want a new ruler. On the right, they want a right-wing ruler. They want laws strictly enforced, and I I understand it. The pictures coming out of the United States right now in the big cities, the big blue cities is it is tragic. I saw just miles and miles in Portland where people are just pulled over and broken down RVs on the side of the road. This is now their home. Underpasses that are just filled, filled with tents and lean tos in the United States. We've always had this problem in small pockets, but it has just been been overwhelming. But ultimately, what I'm seeing from the air quotes here in the studio, anti-establishment establishment, is they're just ready for a new ruler because they're mad at the left's abuse of power, as I am. So, so many people on the right seem hell-bent to want to use that new abusive power that the left has garnered and use it against the left now in retaliation. 
So good luck with that. It's been tried for 50 years. It's just now on steroids. You let me know how that works out to you. So anyway, welcome to the anti-establishment, to the anti-establishment establishment. A couple of quotes of the day today. Jack V. Lloyd tweeted this out. He said, according to statists, being born means you consent to being ruled, you consent to being plundered, you consent to all laws, you consent to all taxes, you consent to all wars, you consent to all state policies. They never question whether that's even right to begin with. Yeah. But that, and that's the problem. We just assume these things because they are, they must be. This was a pretty funny one. And we probably couldn't have understood this back in the day of the Soviet Union. The Soviet Union, that I guess they maintained some level of a sense of humor back in the day. Listen to this. This was an old Soviet joke. Quote, the past is rewritten so fast that you don't know what will happen yesterday. <laughs> the past is rewritten so fast that you don't know what will happen yesterday. I, I love that one. Think about it. Let that one sink in. Is that not where we are now? <laughs> oh, well, let's have a little fun, too. Now, social media has gotten to the point, well, really all media, it is almost impossible to tell if something is real, if it's a troll, if it's something that's official, because I'm about to get to part of today's show is going to be about something that has just happened on Monday of this week. I had other things planned for today's show, and then I ran across what took place on Monday, and, and I think it's real. It could be a massive troll thing, but it, today it is so hard to tell. Things are so bizarre. It is hard to determine, is that real? Is it a joke? I mean, the Babylon Bee. The genius comedy that they do over there has got to be getting difficult because it's really hard to tell what is a joke and what is not. But I think this is earnest. This is, uh, this is, looks like, a, I would say, a Gen Zer who did one of these, you know, they're just filming themselves with their statement to the world, and, and this is what it was. Whoever fought for women to get jobs... Why? <laughs> Why did we do that? I am so tired. I want to just put my feet up. Like, I am... Oh, my God. <laughs> so, you have to see it. I'm looking at her. I'm examining her. I don't see any tears, but this, this rings kind of true to me. <laughs> so, the poor girl. Whoever fought for women to have jobs... What the hell were you doing? And, you know, when you really stop and think about that, I wonder how many women are out there. Because it's not, certainly every woman should have the right to go work and pursue a career if that's what makes her happy. But what happened in society was not kind of knocking down the door for those who wanted to achieve something professionally. It really became an expectation. You know, what are you doing with your life? You don't work? And so I think there's a lot of women, essentially, particularly if you're single, if you haven't met Prince Charming yet. I mean, the expectation is you, you get out there and work. We, kids are pushing back marriage farther and farther. I, I didn't get married till I was 30, I think. I wasn't down with that when I was in my 20s, but it, it is kind of funny. I wonder how many women out there are at a job just thinking, so you mean to tell me, back in the 1950s? If I had gotten married, I could have just stayed home and raised my children. They don't dare speak it out loud, depending on 
their surroundings, their co-workers, their friends, what political stripe they're at. But I bet you there's a lot of women out there that look back at a time where you didn't have to work. Look, I'm interviewing sugar mamas right now. If there are any, I don't know, I'm middle-aged, so... I mean, I'm not necessarily saying elderly. <laughs> what, what's the cutoff for cougar? If there's a, look, if somebody wants to support me and I can, you know, do my little... I work hard for... I work 12 to 14 hours a day, six days a week. And I enjoy what I do. And I like being productive. I don't like to just sit around. I would find something else to do. But if anybody else wants to change society again and say, yeah, you men, you've been pulling the boat for... You've been pulling the cart for hundreds of years. Why don't you guys take a, you know, take a decade off? I, I'm down with that, too. I thought that was pretty funny. Here's one that is not funny, but boy, does it need to be talked about. Now, I have not independently verified this one, but this one rings pretty darn true. Uh, this is from Australia, I believe. So, Understand that the numbers that are covered in this clip may be different here in the United States, but I'm going to look into this. I just ran across this, to be honest with you, just haven't had time to do my own research. If you know anything about this part of the climate scam, please let me know. Mike Madison at WIEB.com is my email address. But check this out. This is a uh, woman who was involved in the wind turbines program in Australia, I believe explaining to you the finances surrounding this transition to green energy. Get ready for this one. We're off. Okay, so we're still in Fremantle. Who do we have here? Alex Nickel. Alex, now you used to work for the federal government. I did, yeah, for seven years. Doing what? I was policy advisor for a Liberal Party senator. Okay. And tell you were saying about you working with the windmills? Yeah, so um, the area that I was working in was renewable energy. And basically, um, it was my job to uh, uncover a lot of the stuff that was going on with the Renewable Energy Act, which was put in in 2002 under the Howard government. So that was the Liberal Party put the act in place, and I was uh, looking at the mess that it had created. And what a lot of people don't understand is that the Renewable Energy Act um, creates a subsidy environment where if you build wind turbines you're paid between 600,000 and 900,000 per turbine per year. What? If you put up a wind turbine, <clears throat> you're paid through this government program between 600 and 900,000 dollars a year per turbine. Now, I got to tell you, I just spent some time in Wisconsin, drove up there. A lot of wind farms out there. I know there's a lot in Texas too. So it's going to be interesting to find out exactly what the deal is here. Uh, but she's not done. Check this out. As a subsidy alone. Well, if it's on your property. No. So what happens is the wind company comes in and leases. Um, they pay a lease to the farmer to build the wind turbines. And that, in effect, makes sure that the farmer is still liable for the turbine. Okay. And they pay a lease of $12,000 a year, usually. And the company gets paid between six hundred and nine hundred thousand dollars and $900,000 per turbine per year. So the, they pay 12000 to the farmer, but they get $600,000? Exactly. Per turbine? Yeah. Which is a big incentive to put in turbines. Yeah, and the landowner takes the, um, takes 
the liability for the turbine. So he gets $12,000 a year, but if anything, anything happens to it, he's got to fix it, or she's got to fix it. Yeah, when they catch on fire, yeah. they're responsible for their neighbours' properties going up in smoke. That kind of thing. Wow. Yeah. I mean, just stop and think for a second how, how this can be public policy and they get away with this. I mean, it, I, I assume this is not known by the farmers. Now, $12,000 to just have a piece of your property, have one of these stands on it. I mean, it, they're not attractive. And I believe they're noisy, too, and they hurt the birds. There's a million things wrong with these wind turbines. But you would really think if the farmers caught wind of the fact that the company who owns the turbine is getting $600,000 a year while they're only getting twelve, you can imagine there would be a lot more burning uh, turbines or some renegotiations going on at the very least. But it gets even better, the actual mechanics of these turbines. Yeah. Wow. And effectively that money, the subsidy that's getting paid to the wind farms is reaming $40 billion a year out of the Australian economy. And it's paid by everyone, every pensioner, householder, schools, hospitals, everyone. It's not just out of your tax, it comes out of your power bill. Now, does anybody for just a nanosecond think that this isn't possibly happening here in the United States too? <laughs> this, this sounds like the kind of thing we would invent and then export to a place like Australia, but they've lost their minds too. Their, their left-leaning governments down there are just atrocious. Is this why power bills are going up? Yeah. That's why power so bills are power bills are going up to pay for wind turbines that don't work. Exactly. Yeah, but Mike, come on, we gotta we gotta save we gotta save gasoline, we gotta save the planet. At least these things are green, right? Why don't they work? So they don't work because um, for a start they draw power off the grid, so they have to have coal fired power in order to turn. They're not windmills, they're turbines. <laughs> and essentially Sorry, what do you mean? The, the the power to turn. So when we see them turning, that's not the wind, that's the power generator turning. Essentially, they have to draw power off the grid. So they have to draw coal-fired power off the grid in order to turn. And what happens when the wind picks up, they do actually start to create electricity of their own. But that electricity is so intermittent and unreliable. When it gets back to the grid, it has to be balanced on the grid, which you can't do. <laughs> And let, like with your coal-fired power station, you can't ramp your coal-fired power stations up and down. So the coal-fired power station stays at the same level because it takes 24 to 48 hours for them to get up to heat anyway. And they just let off steam as the wind comes onto the grid. So there's absolutely nothing about them that works apart from reaming that amount of money out of the Australian economy and it's going offshore. That money's going offshore. Gee... I wonder why the elites are so hell-bent on this transition to green energy. And I wonder how many of them are owning these wind farms in Texas. Now, I, I, I'm sure there are other people. You know, there are always people in local governments that benefit from these. They're all on the take on this stuff. But when you stop and you listen to those numbers, first of all, the numbers are staggering. But second of all, the fact that these things do not even work. That they are, these are windmills, these are giant monuments to virtue signaling that are actually run by coal fired plants. And I find myself wondering why in the world can we not stop 
these people? Isn't it interesting that this has overtaken most of the Western world? They're shutting down farms. People are starting to stand up against it, but just this has been going on now for a couple of decades, probably this level of grift around this. Pretty amazing stuff. So anyway, there's a clip to share with your green friends. I'll be right back. You know, I started the Mike Madison Show uh, about six and a half years ago now. And one of the things that I'm most proud of of this show is my intro. It's backed by a Rage Against the Machine song called Take the Power Back. Now, I know Rage Against the Machine over the last few years has become Rage for the Machine. It's very depressing to me as well. To be honest with you, I put that piece together, and I have very little audio training whatsoever. I was so happy with it, it, and it's complicated and a lot of moving pieces. I've got to pray that all of the people that are in that clip stay relevant in politics so I can just keep using that bump music, But I mean that intro music. But I did not know about this guy. And so if I do have to make a change, I think I found the song. This is, uh, have you ever heard of uh, Bishop Bullwinkle? Bishop Bullwinkle. And this, apparently, this song is at least seven years old. I ran across it uh, in some kind of a video clip or something. I immediately went to go look for it because (laughs) here is the message. This could be the new theme for the Mike Madison show. I ain't gonna preach too long. I ain't gonna take the service too far. My sermon in the morning, hell to the no, 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 come on, come on, hell no, to the no, 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 yeah, to the no, hell to the no, to the no, 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 listen. Hell to the no, hell to the no, 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 oh yeah, hell to the no, and I'm going to show you why I'm playing that song in this particular spot. Um... This week on, uh, I believe it was on, was it on Monday, uh, they rolled out the uh, FedNow system. And my understanding, this is uh, by the Federal Reserve. It's been anticipated for a while. It just went live. It, actually, it, it might have gone live maybe a week ago. Anyway, it doesn't matter. It's now live. Here's my understanding of what FedNow is. They now have the ability to facilitate basically every transaction between banks uh, that participate in the system. And I think it's only maybe 13 right now. It's not all of the banks. What it used to be was the banks would basically have a ledger of all of the transactions that went on and on. Let's say you're at Bank A and your depositors uh, send money, buy something, whatever, from Bank B. And at the end of the day, it goes back and forth and back and forth. And maybe it's a billion dollars, but one of you ends up being owed. Uh, you, you know, you end up on the positive side by $50 million. And the Fed kind of settled that at the end of the day. Now, instead of them waiting till the end of the day to kind of balance the transactions that the banks have been putting money back and forth and back and forth, uh, they do all the transactions themselves. They make a record of these transactions and record them as they go. Now, I'm not an expert on this, but if the Fed, which I refer to as the Death Star, and I actually saw that reference 
with regard to Fed now. I've been calling the Federal Reserve the Death Star for five years on this radio show because it is the linchpin to so many of our problems. That Green New Deal stuff we just played, who do you think funds that? They wouldn't be able to find just private investment if people had to scrimp and save and then invest their money on wackadoodle ideas like that. No, they've flushed a bunch of free money, funny money, into the elite's hands, and they're able to pull off stuff like this. I could go on and on, but I refer to the Federal Reserve as the Death Star. If you Trump supporters want to do another big protest and march into a building at some point, can I refer you to the Eccles Building in Washington, D.C.? The Capitol's a good idea. I'm with you. But the Eccles Building is where the real power is anyway. Anything that gives the Death Star more involvement in daily financial transactions is a bad thing. I'm not a complete expert on this, but I just know they're encroaching more uh, into the financial system, more than they even are. But if that was not enough for this July, uh, on Monday, something was launched called WorldCoin. Have you heard of this thing? WorldCoin. Uh, This was the same day that Twitter became the ominous X. I'm not saying anything about that. I've, I've got a suspicious eye on Elon Musk. I'm just warning you. The guy wants to turn Twitter into WeChat. Just take a look at what WeChat, I've done shows on this before, I won't repeat it all, but WeChat is basically a tool of total control over the Chinese citizens. Elon Musk is trying to replicate that here in the United States, I'm just saying. But anyway, I don't know that Musk has any connection necessarily to WorldCoin. You may be saying to yourself, WorldCoin, Mike, that sounds great, sounds like a cool new cryptocurrency. Well, I've got my problems with cryptocurrencies in the first place. I'm not, a, uh, I'm not a bandwagon believer. I like the idea of the autonomy and the freedom. There's a lot of good talking points around crypto. I'm just suspicious of exactly how it's going to play out. But uh, it's getting worse. So check this out. Yeah, I'll go ahead and finish this now. I was going to take a break, but I'm going to go ahead and do this. Uh, this is a uh, WorldCoin was, was brought to us by Sam Altman. Now, when I hear Sam Altman, I always immediately think of that Sam Bankman-Fried guy, the guy with the FTX exchange. Different guy. Sam Altman is the one who has given us chat GPT, the AI. Um, He's up to something new now. And this has been in the works for a while, but it has just rolled out. I tell you what, I'm looking at the stuff I want to cover. I'm going to have to take a break. Let me take a quick break, and I'm going to come back. I'm going to tell you about WorldCoin. As I said, I had all kinds of other things lined up for today's show, and then WorldCoin went live, and then I went to the WorldCoin website, and I can't do anything but a show about it. We'll cover it when we come back. We are back. This is the Mike Madison Show, 103.9 WYAB. So FedNow went live, and then on Monday comes WorldCoin. Now I'm going to read you this directly from the worldcoin.org website. And to kind of go back to that girl earlier who was crying about the fact that women fought for the right to vote and she's just so tired of working. (laughs) It, It is really, it's, 
it's hard to tell if some of these things are trolling or if they're real. I believe this is real. This feels very today-ish, right? The way we're headed, the day of, of the World Economic Forum. So I'm going to assume this, or either this or it is a huge troll by a guy that's not known to be a troll, this, this uh, Sam Altman guy, the guy behind ChatGPT and AI technology. So I, we're going to assume this is real, but it is so Orwellian that it feels like it could be a giant practical joke. Here it is. This is from the worldcoin.org website, so you can go check this out yourself. Uh, introducing WorldCoin. More than three years ago, we founded WorldCoin with the ambition of creating a new identity and financial network owned by everyone. The rollout begins today. If successful, we believe WorldCoin could dr drastically increase economic opportunity, scale a reliable solution for distinguishing humans from AI online while preserving privacy, enable global democratic processes, and eventually show a potential path to AI-funded UBI. For those not familiar with UBI, that is universal basic income. This goes on. It, it gets better. Hold on. WorldCoin consists, and, and, and I'm going to say this too, all of these kinds of tech offerings, I read a lot of the white papers on cryptocurrencies as they were coming out. A friend of mine and I would have just about every week have a phone call where we read some of these things. They were all cut and paste. We're going to make the world a better place. Inclusivity, equality. It was just all of the the kind of tech, flowery buzzwords. And, and I look around at technology and I think, number one, I think some astounding things have been done. It's a shame that they are being used against us. It seems like we've never been more sad, more stressed, more technology we have, it seems like the less privacy we have, the less happy we are, the less content we are, the less stress, I mean, the more stressed we are. But all of these things kind of have this same, we're going to make the world a better place. That's our only goal. Pinky swear promise. So here it goes. WorldCoin consists of a privacy-preserving digital identity, world, uh, parentheses, world ID, un parentheses, and... I guess that's closed parentheses, isn't it? And where laws allow, a digital currency, that is the WLD, received simply for being human. We hope that where the rules are less clear, such as in the U.S., steps will be taken so more people can benefit from both. Oh, well, that sounds great. This is a coin that's just going to reward you just for being human, just because you're not AI. Now, here it comes. Here, here is WorldCoin's rollout. This is happening now. I've now seen videos since I first ran across this thing and started doing a little bit of research into it. I've seen videos of the people adopting this WorldCoin because you can go, I think you can go today and get yourself some free WorldCoin just for being human. You do have to go through one little step, though. Let's go through that. This is from the WorldCoin.org website. You can now download WorldApp the first protocol-compatible wallet, and reserve your share. After visiting, and I am not making this up, let me make sure people understand this, what I'm about to say, you can find on worldcoin.org. 
after visiting an orb. <laughs> yes, you heard me right. That's O-R-B. After visiting an orb, a biometric verification device, you will receive a world ID. This lets you prove you are a real and unique person online while remaining completely private. As the global distribution of orbs is ramping up, you can find the closest one <laughs> and book time to be verified with World App and at worldcoin.org. As they ramp up the orbs, you can, you can book time. You can book time with the orb to be verified with what is essentially a retina scan. This finishes up, WorldCoin is an attempt at global scale alignment. The journey will be challenging and the outcome is uncertain. But finding new ways to broadly share the coming technological prosperity is a critical challenge of our time. We hope you'll join us. That is the letter written from Alex Blania, B-L-A-N-I-A, and Sam Altman, the guy behind uh, ChatGPT. Uh, that's going to be a hard pass for me. I will not be booking any time with the local orb. Has anybody had an orb sighting? Is there a new orb in uh, in Madison, Flowood? They're ramping up the distribution of the orbs, and you can go online and see this thing. It is, like it sounds, it is a round silver ball with what looks like a giant eye on it. It's, it's not made like an eye. It's obviously, it is the scanner, and they will take your retina, and you can only imagine the possibilities of this thing. It will be sold on the idea that to be online, with all of the problems we have with people who are, you know, with bots online, we need to start, and they're already calling for this, we need to start verifying that you're a real person. Now, I find the bots annoying, there's a bunch of fake accounts on social media out there ginning up a bunch of anger among people. It, it, it is. It, it's bad. But the solution that they give us, these kinds of people give us, is always even worse somehow. So what this is, is essentially you'll get your world ID backed by your retina scan that guarantees it's you. Hmm, I wonder where else they might use this world ID to book a flight, to make a comment online at your doctor's office, at the school, to get financial aid, to get your welfare checks, to get your social security. We got to make sure we're not, you know, they'll tell you waste, fraud, and abuse. We got to make sure that everybody's, so this retina scan will follow you everywhere. It will be your ID. Now I can only imagine the, the convenience slaves out there just thinking, oh, this would be great. I mean, you don't even have to carry a wallet. It's so exhausting to have to reach into your wallet and pull your card out and tap it against something. Oh, my gosh, my shoulder. What you'll be able to do now is just walk into a store and just look into an orb and walk out with your groceries. Holy cow. As I said, this, this feels... Maybe if they hadn't called it Orb, I'm, I'm, my guard might have been let down a tiny bit. I know I'm not down with any of this stuff, particularly anything called a world ID. 
Believe me, I will rebel against that. I don't care anything that even hints at the idea of a kind of a global passport. And of course, your vaccine record would be in there. Uh, the orb would know your vaccine status and make sure that your retina scan is paired with your vaccine status. But but calling it the orb, <laughs> this is one of those things that were, this is the part where I said, this is a joke. Come on. This is a joke. Then I saw pictures of the orbs and the enthusiastic people that were pulling it up to their face or bending down into it to get their retina scan. I don't know how much of WorldCoin you get if you book time with the orb. I can imagine it's probably not life-changing money. You're giving, uh, you're giving something far more valuable to the orb than the orb is giving to you. I'll just put it that way. But this is where we are now. And the thing is, is that as creepy as I find this, as almost laughable as I find this, something to be resisted, I know, unfortunately, there will be there will be hundreds of millions of people who line up to book time with the orb, mostly in Western countries, slaves to convenience, first of all, and without a just a nanosecond of doubt of how this could work out down the road. Maybe Sam Altman and Alex Blania, who are putting this thing out, maybe they're saints. Maybe they're the greatest people, and they just want the best for all of us. But this is one of those things, you can't unring it. If your retina follows you around and is responsible for all of your transactions, because someday you, for some reason now we have to start proving we're not a robot. It was bad enough when they made us do those, you know, click every pane that has a boat in it. Some of the, the, the definition of boat is difficult in some of those things. I, I can't stand those. They're tricky. Sometimes they make me feel dumb. But now you won't have to do that, will you? I won't have to prove I'm not a robot. My retina, the orb will let the world know that I'm not a robot. Holy cow. This is some creepy stuff. I do encourage you. Go to worldcoin.org. And you can check this out and see that it's real. They also have a white paper that is much more in-depth, but it is very number one Orwellian. It's number two. You know, look, AI is way overhyped right now. It is not capable of near the things that people are ascribing to it. It's not about to take over our society. This is another pump and dump and AI stocks. It is, it's machine learning. There's definitely... Computers have a brain like a human being. You put in a bunch of information just like we put in information, and then you go in and recall it. Now, a computer is probably much more efficient at that in many ways and can store more information. But the idea that these things are thinking for themselves and going to be making our decisions right now, no. It's, it's not anywhere near that, best I can tell. And believe me, I'm looking. I'm paranoid. But it's not there. Uh but the sad thing is, is that AI could replace a lot of jobs. Just the, the computing power around AI could replace a lot of meaningless jobs. And that will be difficult for some people. There will be a transition. But there was a transition when the horse and buggy went away. The buggy, the, the horse whip makers, boy, they were SOL, weren't they? We figured it out. But there does seem, you know, I would imagine if you really sat down and, and if everything and everybody was benevolent, just good people across the board, there's probably a way you could make life on Earth pretty darn easy with all of this technology. 
We wouldn't have to work our fingers to the bone. We wouldn't be under the stress of... It just feels like that technology has the potential there. The problem is the people who run it exploit it for their purposes. This small 0.01%, they're always at the top manipulating this stuff, and we suffer the consequences for it. I don't think WorldCoin is going to be any different. Even if these guys are just a couple of saints running this, co this company... I can only imagine where this thing will actually end up. We'll see. Time will tell. Go visit the Orb. Coming soon to a neighborhood near you. Be right back. All right, final segment for the day. I did a little bit of research just during the break. Uh, so the world coin, it, it, it must be real. Fortune has written a piece on it, fortune.com, Forbes.com, uh, CNN. This is just the first top three search results I get through my VPN. I am using a VPN. <laughs> I, I'm hoping these people don't know that I'm actually searching for this. I don't want them to think. I don't want to be visited by the orb. Um. This is from Fortune, and I couldn't get into the article because I'm paywalled out of it. It says, those who would agree, agree to get their iris scanned receive a small amount of cryptocurrency tokens known as WorldCoin, or WLD. The tokens begin trading this week and are currently worth a little over $2 each. So I'm not sure of exactly how many that you get for visiting the orb and scan. You're basically getting paid to put your uh, iris scan into a giant worldwide ID database. And as I said, I am no longer under any illusion that people will view this like I do in, in, great, in great numbers. There are a large number of people, we saw it during COVID, we continue to see it to today, that really... They'll go along with anything. They just will. And I hate to break this to you. They're the majority in the Western world. You know, I asked earlier, how did they get away with this Green New Deal scam? How are they paying people $600,000 to put up a wind turbine and then tricking the farmers into putting it on their land for twelve grand? Because people will just do what they're told. They will not question these things. And the wind turbines don't even work. I mean, how is this not a? How is this not known by everybody? I've always kind of wondered how a s small breeze moves those giant blades. Well, we find out now it's uh, <laughs> it's through coal burning plants in Australia. That's what moves those things. They're powered. But the the number of people that will go along with this stuff. I mean, look at look at Black Friday. Now, no insult to people. I'm not a shopper, so it's very difficult for me to understand how people go to the Black Friday sales. Now, they don't do them as much, but, I mean, you know, you would see people sit in a line for 12 hours to save $120 on a television, or or even less than that. And I always looked at that and I went, okay, I'm going to do some quick public school math here. That's $10 an hour. I'll just work for, I'll work for a few hours uh, to earn that money rather than sit outside and then go in and do hand-to-hand -hand combat with a bunch of sweaty strangers on the day after Thanksgiving, that, that $120, it, it's not worth But you understand, people will, 
they will jump through all kinds of hoops for anything that's free. And they've driven us to a level in many cases for a lot of people where even small amounts of money have become extremely important. So just a few bucks to scan your iris, I, I believe a lot of people will jump into this. Now, I was wrong on the metaverse. I warned about that, and that was a huge, monumental flop. So maybe people aren't susceptible to every single thing. The metaverse was particularly bad. It looked wildly unentertaining. Un Why would you want to go into an online world where you go to Walmart in your fantasy life? This is what they tried to sell you. It was a flop. WorldCoin, I'm not so sure. And the thing is, is that right now, a lot of people will see this, particularly young people, they'll look and say, man, I missed the boat on Bitcoin. I missed it on Ethereum. I missed it on Monero. But boy, if I get it on the ground level of WorldCoin for just $2 a token, even if they just give me a couple from my iris scan, if it's worth $100,000 someday, that's $200,000 for my two little, you know, you know, they'll do that math. This is some creepy, creepy stuff. We'll see. I predict success for this thing, which equals failure for humanity. We'll see. That's all the time I got today. Have a great one. I'll see you tomorrow. Uh, bye bye. Till now, till the now, now, now. Yeah, till the now, till the now, till the now, now, now. Listen. Don't you when when it's time to handle business and we know what to do. What to do.